0: Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with James. Once every millennium, something will come along. When you feel it, you will know it, cause it's coming on strong. That thing, that thing. back. Relax. Deep breaths. No stress. Let me come inside your mind. I promise you it won't take long. A change will happen soon. You will feel something so special growing deep within you. That thing
1: Welcome to episode 25 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. That's me. Episode 25. This is... Let me get adjusted here. I consider this a landmark of an episode. 25 episodes. That means this is a quarter of 100 episodes recorded thus far that's a hell of an achievement for me and i thank everyone who has been a guest on this show um everyone who has donated to the show um uh, everyone who has offered me support uh to keep doing this show i thank you all because without you none of this would have been possible i If it was just solely on my own interest and and there was zero traction, I don't know if I would have made it to 25 episodes, but I've made it to a quarter of 100 episodes. That's 25 weeks I've been doing this. 25 weeks. Although there was one week where I put out two episodes in a week, but that was, I think, to make up for missing a week. So it's been 25 weeks. Damn, time flies the older you get. And it just seems to get faster and faster and faster. And it's kind of nice, but it's also kind of scary at the same time. The nice part is that um, I just don't feel like there's not so much crisis in my life anymore. Now, that doesn't mean there's no crisis. There is still some crisis, but I've gotten pretty good In terms of me and myself, I've gotten pretty good at learning how to just not create my own crises, to not sabotage myself as much. And it takes effort, takes willpower. It it takes uh, some determination to say, you know what? I'm gonna go to that open mic tonight because I've been doing at least one a week uh, the past several weeks and um, not gonna lie. The day of it's like, you know, I'm pretty fucking comfortable right now. Um, I had dinner, I'm I'm getting into this TV show. I'm comfortable and I don't know if I want to get up, but I force myself to get up because I know. I know that if I don't get up and go out, and this is just one example, go to a comedy stand-up comedy open mic. If I don't do that, I will feel miserable. Uh, perhaps later in the evening or the next day, I will feel so bad because I, because another part of the thing with time is that time like like. Um, oh god what was the name of that band the steve miller band time keeps on slipping 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 into the future well the older you get the faster the slip becomes it gains speed it becomes exponentially more slippery time does and when i fail to do something to write every day or to and or go out to an open mic or record this podcast which i haven't really missed except for one time and that was a that was i couldn't control it that was a big problem i had to deal with um if i don't do these things i feel terrible because i feel time is slipping and before i know it i'm going to be 40 or 50 Or 60 and I will have not uh, achieved the kind of success that I aim to achieve. I will not have accomplished the goals I want to accomplish. I will not have lived the life that I want to live. Like I know what I want. I know. I mean, I don't know 100% 100% you can't know everything but as far as like you know envisioning things I've got a pretty damn clear vision visual of what I would like my life to look like um and I'm not gonna waste time describing it now <laughs> but um yeah I I do these things and I I, I start out doing these things because it seems fun. And then I continue doing it um, because I will feel like crap if I don't do it. It's the stuff that I have to do to stay sane. Everyone's got their own trip. They're on everyone's doing their own thing. And in my case, I just got to do entertainment stuff. And hopefully, hopefully the stuff I put out has some value. Hopefully, if you're listening to this or watching it, I hope that the content of these podcast episodes is of some value to you. I hope that it's entertaining. I hope that it offers a chance for community. I hope it offers a chance for catharsis, you know, emotional release. Maybe some education, maybe you learn something new. Maybe you laugh, you know? Maybe uh, you'll hear a perspective or maybe I'll say something that maybe triggers you to look at something in a new way, from a new perspective, from a new angle that is refreshing to your outlook on life, to the way you approach life. And, um, yeah, but those are just, those are just, uh, you know, unintentional. Those are, those are just benefits that I can't control. If, if, if you get some value out of this, that would be great. And I hope there is some value, but I'm not doing it just for you to say, Oh, wow. Oh my God. You're so, Oh, wow. You're so enlightening. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I, I, like I already said, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for me, and hopefully, the thing I do for me that I share with you uh, has value. So, I was before I get any further. Let me take care of some business. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to my channel. And press the little the little bell button so you get notifications when there are new episodes and uh, like the videos you like and leave a comment and uh, share the show with your friends you know so and if you're listening to this on audio please if if you have the ability to do so i know you can do this on itunes uh write a review for the show you know give it a star rating write a review hopefully i, I hope it's a good review and star rating but i'm not going to tell you what to do you do what the fuck you want to do you know be you do your thing you do you okay boo uh you can find me on instagram and twitter my handle is at james j asher i have a website where you can see like a picture of my headshot because I'm an actor as well as a podcaster. Um, there's a blog there. If you go way way back before I started this podcast, you'll see some blog posts I made. One that was pretty cool. I was I remember um, I was drunk on absinthe and watching some sci-fi show on Netflix. What was it called? Oh man, it was a very much kind of like a cyberpunk kind of a show whose name escapes me but Edgar Allan Poe played a character in it he was like a hologram or something he was this hotel what the fuck helix or something like that i i don't remember well i i was drunk on absinthe and watching that show and and Uh, something i I became inspired and i just recently built this website which by the way is jamesjasher.com, where you can also find um my agent's contact info if if you see or hear me and say you know i want to give that boy a job uh you can you know contact my agent there or if you want to contact me directly you can email me um and my podcast email, which is thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. And all this stuff will be written in the description in case you missed it the first time, missed hearing it. Well, so going back to the, the, the blog post that's like way, way back on the blog on my website, I was watching this, this sci-fi show, whatever it was, I was drunk on absinthe and having a, a great time by myself and it was about 11 p.m. And I became just uh, all of these elements together inspired me to write this, I guess, essay about nature, about the nature of nature. And the whole idea behind my my blog post was that we think, we humans tend to have a hubris, a a... Overconfidence to think that we can master nature, when in fact there's we there's no way you can you simply cannot master nature because by definition you as a human are well I mean I don't know I don't know what the Oxford English or Merriam Webster definition of the word human quote unquote is quote human unquote is but Humans are part of nature. We are a small part of this larger thing called nature. And so it was, I I dove deep into things like how we think stuff that we do is unnatural. Like we're creating plastics that are polluting the environment and everything. And I, I do not support polluting. I do not support pollution. I fully I fully support, um, renewable and sustainable sources of energy and material. And I think it's imperative that mm, the entire earth, all nations band together and work to, you know, save our environment, save the earth from us because the earth Is going to last a lot longer than humans. Earth does not need us. We need the Earth. Well, I was thinking like, what about nuclear bombs? Is that unnatural? Is it unnatural to, for humans to have built a nuclear bomb? Is the nuclear bomb itself an unnatural thing? Is it an unnatural act to detonate a nuclear bomb? And, in this absinthe drunken sci-fi induced later night essay i kind of dove into the idea that perhaps no it's not unnatural nuclear bombs war just weapons of mass destruction in general they are not unnatural they are destructive absolutely but they are not unnatural because, hear me out, because they are a expression of nature itself. Since we humans are an expression of nature, we are a product of nature. And any products that we humans create, thus is a product of nature because we are nature we are nature we're part of it we are nature and it's in our nature to make things that we say are unnatural but perhaps they're not perhaps we're designing perhaps nature perhaps the machinations who knows if nature's conscious i i i'm agnostic about things i don't say i believe one way or another however I strongly suspect that everything has consciousness. I believe there's consciousness in everything, things we may perceive as inanimate objects. Maybe they have, they, maybe they're imbued with some type of consciousness. Maybe consciousness is a type of matter uh, or, or something that we can't measure yet. What is consciousness? Where the fuck do your thoughts come from? Where, are they in your brain? This voice in your head, your, your inner monologue, where is that? Where does that come from? When you get knocked out, maybe when you have an out-of-body experience, people have those, but you're still conscious, but you don't feel like you're in your body. So then would your consciousness necessarily be located in your body? Can a consciousness be incorporeal? I believe yes, it can. I believe everything. I believe uh, in fractals fractals man um there's a bigger consciousness which breaks down into smaller consciousness consciousnesses so we all think you and i think we have we have our own individual consciousnesses however we are also at the same time part of a singular consciousness which on an even grander scale you keep backing out this is how fractals work it's the same pattern all the way in as it is all the way out if you don't know what fractals are look it up fractal f-r-a-c-t-a-l fractal i think i spelt that right if i didn't deal with it um but yeah so we have these individual consciousness consciousnesses consciousnesses and we think we're individual but we're part of a a larger singular consciousness which thinks it is an individual consciousness but it is part of an even larger singular consciousness so everything has this um uh it's everything's sort of like a paradox we are we are single we are singular but at the same time whole one we are individual, but one at the same time. That's, uh, that's just stuff. And it kind of relates to the subject of this episode when I get to it. But what I was saying was like, what, what was I getting at? With the nuclear bombs and the war and the destruction, perhaps that is nature's way of self-regulating. If we are a part if we are and uh, we humans are an appendage of nature then perhaps when we become um painful you know when when we become not conducive to to life or the continuation of of life or prosperity perhaps our drive to um to kill and to possess and to take perhaps that destructive drive that violent drive in human beings is a way of nature self-regulating so that we don't destroy other parts of nature perhaps so you know we don't realize that like as a collective humans are committing suicide by killing each other you know it's like an external suicide you know maybe we as a as a whole humanity as a whole through violence against itself is trying to kill itself or trying to regulate itself in some way so that it doesn't uh, spread its violence to other things. And perhaps we're spreading our violence through through pollution, resulting from unfettered capitalism, deregulation, short-sighted, short-term gain at the expense of others at the expense of other to separate ourselves from the other from something that is not us or something that is not familiar to us that is part of capitalism is to exploit the other that is an intrinsic part it's got to be regulated because if it's not it doesn't stop it becomes a virus And it destroys the environment through pollution in the effort to achieve short-term gains. For what purpose? For what purpose? And then we get to the existential question of why are you doing this? Why? Who are you? Who are you to do this? What do you think to gain? Don't you know you're going to expire at some point is all this stuff you're destroying for is all this stuff you're exploiting others in order to gain in order to hoard these things that you want these material things you want what are they going to mean to you when you're fucking dead Hmm. anyway nature regulates itself so that it can keep living and, you know, dying of entropy, but uh, maybe uh, pre-entropic destruction needs to be regulated, and maybe nature, by way of global warming, I'll say it, fuck it, climate change is just new speak, anyway, it's fucking global warming, it's global scorching now. Uh, uh, Well, it will be soon enough if we don't do something about um, how we treat the environment. Global scorching. Global scorching. Think of when you have a virus, when you're sick. You've got a virus or bacterial infection or something and you get a fever. Why do you get a fever? You get a fever in part because your body is working overtime to get new... I guess i think white blood cells and t cells and stuff it's been a while since i took biology class um you're expending a lot of heat energy which we run on heat energy and some electricity as well maybe a lot of electricity i don't know but we expend a lot of heat energy that's why a warm body you feel warmth coming off of a person and you feel more warmth coming off of a person when they're ill because their body's producing um new cells to combat the good cells to combat the bad cells that are trying to eat away at your body before entropy can get at it or maybe it is an articulation of entropy itself more and stuff like that um Another part is that the another reason for a fever is that you kind of cook it out as you get warmer. Not only are you producing um, cells to help keep you alive and get the bad stuff out, but also the rise in temperature can kill off bacteria or some viruses. And perhaps global warming is the earth's fever, perhaps it's trying to cook out the virus or the bacteria that is making it ill. That's part of nature and we're part of nature. And so maybe it's part of human nature to say that's unnatural when in fact it is natural. However, it doesn't mean it's conducive to living and it doesn't mean it's going to help us as human beings to continue to live. And so, um, yeah, that's what I wrote about. That's what you can find <laughs> in the blog. Dude, I fucking went off on the deep end there. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, if you want to donate to this show, you may do so at my Patreon. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. You can donate as little as $1 per month or as much as what was it? a month or $13,000 a month something like that Uh, a little over $10,000 a month if you've got fuck you money or if you're just really bad at money management Um, it's there's several different tiers you can choose one if you want to donate and uh, it can help me keep this show going help me get better equipment help me create more and better content get more guests on the show um so if you want to do that yeah you can do that patreon.com that thing with james and it's a monthly donation sort of a thing so you if you want to donate you may choose whatever tier you want and just know that it's a monthly kind of a thing so Don't uh, be surprised if you just want to make a one-time donation and then don't, like, sign off of the program and then be charged again to say, what the hell? You've been warned, okay? I am going to take a quick water break and then I'm going to get into the meat and potatoes of this show. I will be right back. And we're back. (sighs) I feel refreshed now uh hopefully you don't hear uh, a bumping sound in the background there's uh, a couple people playing basketball outside and uh, apparently they feel the need to slam the basketball as hard as possible into the ground you don't have to i mean just dribble you don't have to fucking murder the ball man anyway this morning this morning on with the show this morning I was trying to think of what to talk about on the show today. And I was having a very difficult time coming up with an idea of what to talk about. I certainly didn't expect to talk about how (laughs) nuclear bombs are, are natural. And I feel, I must say, I do not support war or imperialism or exploitation i oppose those things i oppose the use of nuclear weapons and weapons of mass destruction yada 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 anyway i was trying to think of something to talk about and i didn't think of anything and i was like oh well i'll just i guess i'll when i get to recording i'll see what happens and i decided oh i want to read a bit of dune frank herbert's dune i've only read like I started it years ago and I only got like a hundred pages in and I want to restart it. I want to get through it this time. And so I was looking for Dune. I've got stacks of books everywhere in this apartment and I picked up what I thought was Dune, but no, it turned out to be the Dubliners or Dubliners by James Joyce. Yeah. Look at me. I've got classic books, yo. Um, so I put Dubliners back and then I was like, okay, where is it? Ah, it's right next to it. Dune right next to it. And then right on top of Dune was another book that caught my eye. It was a book that I thought I had lost sometime in a move or something lost in transition. It's, it's this book right here. If you're watching, you can see this book. It's called. Fourteen Lessons in Yogi Philosophy by Yogi Ramasharaka. It's an old book. It's like falling apart, so I have to be very careful. the The spine, the the pages have become detached from the spine. I'd like to get this thing repaired if I can, because I I, I want to keep this. It's an old book. This okay, this book. 14 Lessons in Yogi Philosophy and Oriental Occultism by Yogi Ramashiraka, author of Science of Breath and Hatha Yoga. This was first copyrighted in 1903 by the Yogi Publication Society. 1903 was when this was first published. The next copyright was the next year 1904 and then this edition that I have in my hands right now is from 1931. So it is an old book. Um, Now I found it when I was just out of college, just out of undergrad. I was working uh, for a summer show at the theater at the bigger i think it's closed down now um uh, shawnee street theater in Tahlequah, oklahoma i think it's close it used to be a church i forget what kind of church presbyterian or methodist or something it used to be a church a big church and then it was converted into a theater i believe by the college and, uh, it's since been closed down because it had a lot of asbestos, a lot of asbestos, 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 it's got a lot of, had a lot of bad shit in it. So I think it got closed down. I don't even know if it's still standing anymore, but it was there and it was definitely haunted. I mean, come on, you got first, it's a, it's a, uh, a church, and then it becomes another kind of a church. It becomes a theater for plays and shows, music musicals and shit like that. So there's a lot of like energy, a lot of emotion stored in the the walls and the ceiling and the floor stored in every every fiber of that theater, the Shawnee Street Theater. Well anyway i was there i I was working uh we were building a set and before the show we were building the set and uh at one point i think we were helping to clear out some office space that was being used for storage because like they got a new they were trying to build a new library space or something and so we were clearing out these boxes full of books and books and books And this book kind of jumped out at me. It caught my eye like it did this morning. 14 Lessons in Yogi Philosophy. It caught my eye and I picked it up because I was already interested in occultism and yoga and philosophy. I was like, this is fucking great. And it's an old book published in 1931. Is that it? 1931, yeah, of course I'm taking this book. So I took the book. I mean, I, I asked the professor if I could and she was like, yeah, of course, no one's gonna read that. Of course you would pick that. I said, of course I would. This is my book now. So I took it and I, I read it all. It's an interesting book. It's definitely old. There's some definitely some like older kind of language in it, like the use of the word Oriental. <laughs> One of my cousins uh, in my hometown in Oklahoma used to talk about any kind of like Asian or South Pacific peoples. He called them Orientals. And guy was a dumb hick. Orientals is what he called them in two, the early 2000s like come on dude, seriously you are willfully ignorant. Orientals. Well, after I read the book, uh, sometime after I read the book, I decided to to look up who is this Yogi Ramasharaka, Yogi Ramasharaka. So I looked him up. Now, before I, I get into detail, I wanted to give you a moment to think, what do you think Yogi Ramasharaka looks like? Take your time. What do you think he looks like? Is he tan or pale? Is he regal or scruffy? Is he wearing a turban or is he just letting his bald head go? What's Yogi Ramacharaka look like? Okay, that's enough time for you. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Yogi Ramacharaka. Did not look how I expected him to look. I expected Yogi Ramashiraka to look like, um, oh, whatever that yogi guy, whatever that dude's name is from uh, Be Here Now. And I'm, I'm not talking about uh, the author. I'm talking about the um, the yoga master that he met in India, the guy who like knew the writer's full history whatever the guy's name is. No. Yogi Ramashiraka was a middle-aged American white man. His real name was William Walker Atkinson. He was born December 5th in 1862, and then he died November 22nd, 1932. So that would place him at Six, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. eight nine, ten. eleven, 12, thirteen. was that? Wait wait, wait. okay, fuck. I'm terrible with age, man. What was that? 70? 80. See. six, seven eight nine. 90? No. How the fuck old was this guy? Okay. I think 70. goddamn Now you see, this is why I studied theater. I'm shit at math, okay. Uh, anyway, William Walker Atkinson was an attorney, merchant, publisher, and author, as well as an occultist and an American pioneer in the New Thought movement. He is the author of pseudonym of the pseudonymous 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 pseudonymous, 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 pseudonymous work. Attributed to Theron Q. Dumont. Fucking talk about a fake name name. Theron Q. Dumont. Dumont? I think this is a fake ass name. He could do better William Walter Atkinson. And he also went under the pen name, the pseudonym Yogi Ramasharaka. He wrote wow an estimate Uh, an estimated 100 books all in the last 30 years of his life. He was mentioned in past editions of Who's Who in America, in Religious Leaders of America, and in several similar publications. His works have remained in print more or less continuously since 1900. Wow.
0: How about that?
1: Life and career. I'm looking this up on Wikipedia if you want to find this, and also so I can give attribution proper proper citation. Because I'm a good student. Uh, William Walker Atkinson was born in Baltimore, Maryland on december fifth, eighteen sixty-two to Emma and William Atkinson. He began his working life as a grocer at 15 years old, probably helping his father. He married Margaret Foster Black of Beverly, New Jersey, in October 1889, and they had two children. The first probably died young. What's with all these probabilities? The second later married and had two daughters. Uh, Atkinson pursued a business career from 1882 onwards, and in 1894, he was admitted as an attorney to the Bar of Pennsylvania. While he gained much of his material success in his profession as a lawyer, the stress and overstrain uh, eventually took its toll, And and during this time, he experienced a complete physical and mental breakdown and financial disaster. He looked for healing, and in the late 1880s, he found it with new thought later attributing the restoration of his health, mental vigor, and material prosperity to the application of the principles of New Thought. What, the f- what is New Thought? Let's look that up. The New Thought Movement, a.k.a. Higher Thought Movement, is a movement which developed in the United States in the 19th century for those of you who don't know the difference between centuries and hundreds, 19th century is the 1800s. It is considered by many to have been derived from the unpublished writings of Phineas Quimby. Phineas Phineas Quimby. There are numerous smaller groups most of which are incorporated in the International New Thought Alliance. The Contemporary New Thought Movement is loosely allied group of religious denominations, authors, philosophers, and individuals who share a set of beliefs concerning metaphysics, positive thinking, the law of attraction, healing, life force, creative visualization, and personal power. I'm not going to go any further on New Thought. I want to get back to Yogi Ramasharaka. Um. So sometime after his healing, Atkinson began to write articles on the truths he felt he had discovered, which were then known as mental science. In 1889, an article by him entitled A Mental Science Catechism appeared in Charles Fillmore's new periodical, Modern Thought. By the early 1890s, Chicago had become a major center for new thought, mainly through the work of Emma Curtis Hopkins, and Atkinson decided to move there. Who the fuck wrote this? Um, Once in the city, he became an active promoter of the movement as an editor and author. He was responsible for publishing the magazine's Suggestion, New Thought, and Advanced Thought. Ooh. In 1900, Atkinson worked as an associate editor of Suggestion, a New Thought journal, and wrote his probable, again, there's the problem, probably, probable, first book, Thought Force in Business and Everyday Life. Man, if that doesn't sound like, uh, you know, those business books that people are still making these days. I can't think of any author's name right now. The first that came to mind was Joel Osteen. He's basically like the business writer of shit, 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 religion. He, uh, beginning a series of lessons in personal magnetism, psychic influence, thought force, concentration, willpower, and practical mental science. He then met Sidney Flower, a well-known New Thought publisher and businessman, and teamed up with him. In December 1901, he assumed editorship of Flower's popular New Thought magazine, a post which he held until 1905. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Pseudonyms, blah, 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 blah. Okay, here's what I want to get to. Let me check my time. Checking the time. Okay, okay. Here's what I wanna get to, Hinduism and yoga. In the 1890s, Atkinson had become interested in Hinduism, and after 1900, he devoted a great deal of effort to the diffusion of yoga and oriental occultism in the West. It is unclear, at this late date, whether he actually ever converted any form of Hindu religion, or converted to any form of Hindu religion, or merely wished to write on the subject. If he did convert, he left no record of the event. Oh, yeah. This is all very interesting stuff. So. He got into yoga, and this was part of a a movement in the early 1900s that, and I think it's called spiritualism, where they do seances and stuff. There was a lot of crossover between that and new thought. And um, so if you've seen the movie, it's a highly underrated movie, in my opinion i think it's a great movie it's often overlooked called mystery men uh it's starred um, be, 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 um ben stiller starred ben stiller and um one of my favorite actors is in it uh hank azaria he plays a character i think it was called the blue rajah well if you've seen the movie you know what he looked like? Maybe he he wore just like a a turban and like a blue silk robe, I guess that he stole from his mother and he threw forks. That was his like superpower was he was really good at throwing utensils. <laughs> so um but the blue rajah if that was indeed his name the whole rajah thing that whole aesthetic of that character harkened back to this early 1900s um, new movement in and in, in yoga and occultism and stuff coming into the to the west a lot of and what they called eastern mysticism became popular in the western world uh, for example you would see like um yogis yoga prat- practitioners uh, in like circus acts or freak shows or something as contortionists when indeed all they were doing was just uh, some really advanced forms of yoga i mean they were just some twisty bodies and this also manifested in people like Yogi Shravaka. Some people became interested in stuff like meditation and the idea of psychic powers and how they link together, supposedly. Um, and also, another thing was, uh, at the same time, uh, Stanis- Konstantin Stanislavsky, the the guy who helped create what we now regard as like acting or the method there really is no like the method doesn't there's no one like the method he was just laying the groundwork for what would become different kind of approaches to acting but every like contemporary or or modern uh, method of acting a method approach to playing a role And um, analyzing a role in everything, he helped start that. Konstantin Stanislavsky, a Russian guy. And he too was interested in new thought stuff as well as in new psychology of people like Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung. These were uh, new things, like new territories that people were exploring in psychology and what drives a human what what shapes human thought what shapes our behavior and why we behave why we make the choices we make so on and so forth so Konstantin Stanislavsky was interested in that and he was also interested in the eastern mysticism and I, I imagine occult stuff as well well part of um his his approach his method was to practice yoga he would he would uh, learn and teach his students yoga and meditation and they would learn how to like rings of awareness or rings of concentration where basically uh it's a form of meditation where you light a candle in front of you and basically you Bring all of your awareness all of your consciousness to a certain ring Around you like just this small space and maybe you expand your consciousness to a larger ring around you where you're Aware and concentrating on a space that is only so far away from you um, And then you just the rings keep expanding and how uh, as, as to how far out you are being aware of and and sounds and smells and stuff like that hopefully that makes sense all of that stuff was incorporated into not only becoming a whole person but in so doing also becoming a whole performer so that you can bring your 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 whole person you're an actualized individual and you're bringing yourself to a role And instead of just striking a pose and declaring your lines, no, you're living as a, you're living as yourself, just under different, under imaginary circumstances. Um, So that was going on around the same time as uh, Yogi Ramashiraka wrote this book. And uh, I'm going to read to you the contents of this book. It's just kind of Interesting to me. I find it interesting. So it's 14 lessons. Lesson one uh, is called the first three principles on the threshold. The cons- And this is like breaking down what's in each chapter or lesson. Uh, the breakdown of lesson one is on the threshold, the constitution of man, the seven principles of man, the physical body, the astral body, prana. Or the vital force. Prana, dude. Life energy. Lesson two, the mental principles. Uh, that is uh, the instinctive mind and the intellect. Lesson three, the spiritual principles. That is the spirit. Um, The spirit mind, the spirit itself, illumination, or spiritual consciousness. Lesson four, the human aura. So you can see auras. Um, There's the health aura, the pranic aura, not panic, pranic aura, as in prana. The aura of the three mental principles, spirit aura, auric colors, phenomena, etc. Lesson five. Thought dynamics, nature, quality, and power of thought, thought forms, thought influences, the occult teachings on this great subject. Lesson six, telepathy, clairvoyance, et cetera. So this one is about uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience, psychometry, telepathy, et cetera, plus how to develop psychic powers. That's all in this book, man. He's got exercises and in, in, he describes things that other cultures have been describing for a long time. And even when he comes down to describing Prana, I think 19, oh, oh, 1903 was when this first came out. He's talking about gravitational waves and shit like that before I think even the special theory of relativity was penned by the genius The ingenious Albert Einstein. Let me look up theory of relativity. The special theory of relativity. Let's see. When was this published? Um, 1905. He published The Theory of Special Relativity in 1905, Albert Einstein did. And he's talked about a lot of it had to do with gravity, gravitational force, gravitational waves, and the um, subjective um, nature of time-space, which are one and the same, by the way. When you move through space, you're moving through time. And when you move through time, you move through space. So if you do the time, you better have the space. Okay, now get off of my case. Uh Yogi Ramashiraka was talking about that shit. I was reading about it and in a just a I opened the book and started reading, and he was talking about prana and just what it is, like electricity and, and gravitational waves and force and stuff like this. I'm like, dude, you're describing fucking physics just with different language and you don't have like mathematic equations to describe it and prove it or anything but you're describing shit that people are proving now it's fucking crazy dude where was i at uh lesson seven human magnetism uh, that is pranic energy uh uses and properties directions for development and use of human magnetism it's kind of kind of like personal magnetism kind of like animal magnetism but a little bit different and it's using more of like your prana energy a lot of yoga deals with prana getting the the life force the electricity the pure building block energy um running through you and I thought about this earlier. It was like when you're unhealthy, the prana is not flowing very well. But when you're healthy, you've got good flow of prana. And, and the idea of prana is not limited just to yoga. It's also in other martial arts like qigong or tai chi. Qi, qi is the same thing as prana, energy, life force, like in, like in. Uh, Star Wars, the force, you know, this shit's all over human consciousness, man. It's fucking out there, dude. It's out there, man. And so I was talking, I was thinking about this metaphor. I was like, okay, money as a metaphor for prana and a society as a metaphor for a human body. So if you've got poor circulation of prana then the human body feels ill just like if you have poor circulation of money in a society the society feels ill if the money is pooling up and stagnating in certain select areas which necessarily causes a restriction of flow of money to other areas of the society, then the society is ill just as like if prana or if blood flow, if your blood's pulling up and stagnating in some part of your body and it's restricting the flow of blood to the other parts of your body, you're not gonna feel that well. But if your blood's flowing, then then you're going in a good way. So yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool, right? That's a super, that's a, so wow lesson eight occult therapeutics uh, spiritual healing mental healing pranic healing theory and practice lesson nine psychic i can read roman numerals <laughs> psychic influence personal magnetism mesmerism etc explained with Instructions regarding self-protection and warnings against the misuse of power. A timely lesson upon an important subject. Lesson 10, the astral world, its phenomena, the astral body, astral helpers. At first glance, I thought that said astral herpes. You want to avoid that if possible. Lesson 11, beyond the border. The survival of the ego after passing out of the physical body, where it goes, and what it does after the change called death. Lesson 12, spiritual evolution, uh, growth of the soul, its travels, its purposes, its goals. Lesson 13, spiritual cause and effect. The yogi teachings regarding the puzzling question of human life, conduct, the sowing and reaping explained. And then finally, lesson 14, the yogi path of attainment. That is the threefold path, which is also found in Buddhism, I think, where it might be the eightfold. There's a lot of different folds. There's different things like Gong has like an eight-fold thing, I think, whatever these folds are. Methods, directions, plans, etc. Advice and words of encouragement to the neophyte. Now, uh, unfortunately, I'm coming up on an hour here, and I'm limiting myself to hour-long episodes, so I'm going to use this time to kind of give you uh, blue balls or blue ovaries or blue hopes because I'm not going to read any from the book today. I think I might save that for the next episode. So keep watching. And you'll get to hear some of the stuff that's written by Yogi Ramashiraka in the 14 Lessons in Yogi Philosophy. Um, I just find it entertaining, man. It's interesting stuff. And uh, maybe you find it interesting too. If you do find it interesting why don't you donate to the show at patreon.com slash that thing with james holy shit what a smooth transition that was and when you're when you're done donating you can visit me uh you can hit me up i will respond on social media twitter and instagram at james j asher visit my website read my blog Get my agent's contact info at my website, jamesjasher.com. If you're listening to this, and if you're able to, please rate this 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 show and this episode and write a review. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please do a similar thing. Subscribe to the channel. Turn on the notifications so you know when I get this great content to you. This fantastic, high quality, incomparable, number one, the best of the best, cream of the crop, cream dream makes the dream come true. This show, subscribe to it on YouTube. Write a comment. Give it a like, you know, give me a thumbs up, like the videos you like, and... uh. Share the show with your friends. Please spread the love, baby. If you've got any musings you want to share, if you have any questions for me, if you have any ideas for something for me to talk about or a segment for the show, if you need inv- advice, contact me at my email, That thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. All of this information will be written in the description in case you missed it the first time talk, in, in hearing it. So, um... Uh, so do. Uh, see, what else? I think that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. I believe in you. Keep fighting the good fight. Love one another, man. Peace. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Auf Wiedersehen. Tutu.
0: Tutalu. ta tata, Titi. Aloha. Bye.